There are more wealthy people today than ever before in the history of the world. The risks they are exposed to through the assets they acquire and their unique lifestyles are significant. The bigger the asset, the bigger the potential loss. The bigger the potential loss, the more complicated the mechanisms for protecting those assets becomes. This show seeks to uncover the risks that successful people face so we can provide some guidance towards minimizing, mitigating, and transferring them. From coverage, contracts, and carriers, to client experience, technology, and claims, we will cover it all. Whether you're an agent looking to hone your skills or someone with significant wealth to protect, I hope this show becomes a valuable resource you can come to rely on to help you protect yourself, your family, and your clients. Welcome to the Private Client Risk and Resilience Podcast. My name is Kurt Turnison, and in addition to being the host of this amazing show, I am also the founder and CEO of Risk Review, which is an online digital platform designed to help agents gather information from prospects and clients online. And I am also an agent, a personal risk advisor at Ericsson Insurance. And today I am extremely excited to be here with Rick Lindsay of Prime Insurance Company. And we're down here on the Jersey Shore. Uh, on a beautiful day, the ocean is outside and we're in here talking about insurance. And so thank you for taking the time to chat with me about insurance, Prime. You bet. Absolutely, so let's start off with, uh, just learn a little bit about Prime. Okay, well, Prime was started in 92 as part of the Illinois Insurance Exchange. All of that kind of fell apart a lot because of hurricanes in Florida. A lot of the syndicates, first Oak Brook went bankrupt from it. Um, So in 94, I took over Prime Syndicate and was able to remove it from the exchange and become a fully-fledged insurance company in Illinois. And then I got it licensed in all 50 states over the last 20 years. So we write ENS business in all 50 states. Um, We have an appetite for stuff other people don't like. So I call it the land of the misfit toys. You know, two years ago, they liked you. They wanted you, they were all fighting over you. Now they're canceling you and they don't want your business anymore. And, you know, to me, that's kind of silly. We're supposed to know what we're doing. We're supposed to know what we want. And when you have events that surprise you, my approach has always been to learn from it and move forward. You adjust your rates, you broaden your coverage, and I think the overall goal of insurance is we have to make happy customers. If we can't make happy customers, they go to lawyers, and that's now called social inflation, but you can label it whatever you want. It's just a bad business plan because you're making unhappy customers. Great. Awesome. So insurance company, been around since 94 and grown, uh, had a fantastic history. And I, lo- I love the term land of misfit toys. I think right. that makes a lot of sense. Right. And so when you think about that, you know, I'm thinking, okay, you know, there's all these risks out there that nobody else wants, but your company is writing them. Right. What would you say are some of the most uh, common risks that Prime is writing today? Well, we ride a lot of commercial auto. We do a lot of recreation, which is where I started in 1985 doing rafting guides, helicopter skiing, horseback riding. You know, now that includes ski resorts and trampoline parks. And 
you know, it's not so much about the class of business, right? Insurance people, if you look at a reinsurance uh, contract, it has exclusions for those things that are in the land of the misfit toys and have been forever, like towing and repo, trucking over 500 miles, you know, anything that has participants in sports. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, those are kind of the areas that we've gone to because not everybody wants that. Right? And if you start an insurance company and you try and get reinsurance, they prohibit you from doing that. So our approach has always been, you know, serve the underserved, not try and be the 11th market in, trying to drive the price down in an overly aggressive market. And you know, as an industry, we, we sell based on price, which, you know, I don't know, a car company or, you know, any successful brand that sells on being cheaper. It's really hard to create a better product when you know you you don't do it the right way and the only focus is being the cheapest. And so that's the biggest discussion I have now with people when they want insurance. I'm like, what do you want? Do you want cheap or do you want good? Because there's a vast, you know, difference between those two and you know everybody thinks they're not gonna be the guy that has the claim. And I've been doing this long enough that, you know, if I insure 100 risks, not all 100 are going to have a claim, but probably 10 to 1, you know, it depends on the line of business and the class of business, but that one claim or those 10 claims are going to affect the whole industry. Mm -hmm. So the 90% that don't have a claim, they you know, they're kind of out of sight, out of mind, but they still are going to have the effects of how the industry manages the claims. And so, right. you know, what does a claim look like, right? When, when it does happen, what does the insured expect? And, you know, can I make a happy customer? Well, that has a lot to do with execution. You know, and again, I, I tell insureds all the time, you know, pretend like you don't have insurance. And then you'll think of this stuff a lot more logically. Um, you know, what does a claim look like? Do I want my insurance company to pay frivolous claims? And the, the example I use a lot now is when I got into the rafting business, you know, people complain that the insurance companies pay claims they shouldn't have paid. Well, then you're now writing it, and you're in the thick of it, and a guy dies in the boat from a heart attack. Do you want to pay that claim? Because a lot of outfitters would say, well, you know, I feel bad for him. You know, isn't that why I buy insurance? And I'm like, okay, so let's say he dies in his lazy boy a week before the trip and his wife sues you claiming that it was the anxiety and the stress he was afraid. You can pay that one too. The guy falls out of the boat and drowns. You can pay that one. You know, those are really called life insurance, right? That's not called liability insurance. We, we have the best legal system in the world. But if you don't play the game to the full extent of the rules, then the other team is going to take advantage of you. And that's what I've seen my whole career is the plaintiff's lawyers are doing their job exceptionally well, pushing everything to the limit, taking it out of the park, getting bigger awards, all to their client's benefit. Isn't it our job as an industry to balance that scale of justice? Or do we just let the liability system take over to where, you know, the plaintiff's lawyers are winning and the insurance companies are seen as dirt bags that take people's money and then don't do their job? Right. So, 
you know, I was an agent or broker for 15 years. And over that time, I became so frustrated, like many insureds, right? The Florida homeowners, California homeowners, they're like me. I'm like, this is stupid. And, you know, I used to think I could build a better insurance company. I used to think I could fight litigation and win. Now I know I can. There is no doubt that this is up to us. If we do it the right way, we can take the lawyers out of 80 to 90% of these lawsuits. But what we end up doing is actually fueling the fire. And we wonder, why is this fire so big? Well, because you're stoking it. You're, you're doing everything the plaintiff's lawyers would ask you to do if you wanted to lose the game. Right. So there's so much going on here. I mean, you're talking about claims, making customers happy. You're right. talking about pricing, right. you know, where the industry is typically, we're selling on price. Right. In the high net worth space, the private client space, we really try to sell value. We try to sell the value of the contract. Right. But in today's market, it's very difficult in certain areas, right. specifically California, Florida, areas that are specifically hard hit by catastrophes and things of that nature. So, you know, one of the things we've, we've talked about in the past is... California specifically. And you're coming up with some really different, interesting solutions to some of the problems out there. Like, we're unable to find coverage for these large multi-million dollar homes that need coverage either for a mortgage or because the client really wants to have the insurance. And you're coming up with some interesting solutions. Can you tell us about some of those solutions that you're, you're using in California? Well, I mean, in California, most people um, have had really cheap insurance, right? And again, I don't think the problem is wildfires because there's always been wildfires. The root of the problem to me is that they're underpriced, underinsured, and um, so when the fires come and the population has grown, so you know, 20 years ago in Salt Lake or California, and Salt Lake's now a wildfire area, um, they... They end up having 10% of the market, and then the market grows, and there's twice as many homes, and they're underpriced before. So they're riding this business because it fits their appetite at the time. And then when the big fires happen, they want to claim that this is you know, a new event. Tornadoes, uh, hurricanes, earthquakes, it's all happened. That's what we're supposed to know as an industry. So, you know, in California, the ideas and the solutions actually come to you as you're underwriting risks, right? So I had a famous person, had a $30 million house. The agent called and said that he has a closing, he needs insurance today. And I'm like, okay, get him on the phone. First thing I say is, so you have a closing today, we need to get you insurance today. And he's like, no, I don't have a closing. I bought this house outright. And I'm like, okay. So we had already gone to the reinsurance market and found out that there really was no interest in writing this home because of the wildfire. So as a company with my you know, automatic reinsurance, I can do 15. So I told him what the price would be for 30. I said, if I could get it, the price would be 30 million. And he, his response was, well, I only want 15 million which basically means he wants to pay half of what I quoted him. And I'm like, that works out perfect. But what I have to do is I have to issue the policy for the full 30 million, because that's the proper value. And then we'll share risk 50-50, right? So if you have a $100,000 claim, you pay 50, I pay 50. 
if the whole thing burns down, you're going to get the $15 million in coverage you want from me, but it allows the contract to work the way it's constructed. If you issue a $30 million house with a $15 million policy on a standard policy, he can never get $15 million because of the co-insurance penalty. It's going to be like $12 million would be his best day. So, you know, that came out of actual negotiation with, a, with, with an insured, and we bound the policy. Well, that's fascinating because I hear from many of my clients and just in the market in general talking to agents, a lot of times our clients want to customize their right. coverage. Right. Like, you know, they say to me, Kurt, I don't need personal property coverage. I don't need loss right. of use coverage. This is my fourth home. I don't need right. this. But oftentimes the answer that I have to give is, well, that's the box that we're playing in. Right. You know, this is a package of coverages you have. You know, this is right. all I have to offer. Well, imagine how stupid that is. As an insurance company, you know, you basically create a can of corn and these people have to buy the can of corn the way you're giving it to them after, you know, if they don't want contents, if they don't want um, loss of use, and we can't take it off, we can't customize it for them, we're stupid. Because then when the loss happens, they're going to demand payment for that because it's part of the policy. So again, you know, everything I do I'm a consumer, so I want to buy stuff the same way I provide it to people, and so my risk sharing, I do it the same way. When you issue a policy, it's like a horse. You got the front end of the horse, that's the pricing, that's you know the underwriting, this and that, the customization, and then the back end of the horse is the shit end, where you have to say, how are we going to manage the claim? Right, so if you have a 20-year-old roof, you have it replaced or maintained, that should be a discussion we have before I take your money, right? It should be part of the track you lay so that you can make a happy customer. But in our business, we don't ever think about the back end of the horse. We aren't gonna have claims. But that's changing, Yeah, a no, little. No. And you know, where they, they used to talk about, or they still do, but uh, um, repair and replace. Right. versus predict and prevent right you know where uh, a lot of the gizmos today that are being sold uh, the internet of things the iot devices like automatic water shutoff valves right. like the the ting app that you can plug into your wall and you can get a sense for what the electricity is doing inside your walls right. like these are devices that we can use to predict and prevent right disasters and you know and some of this stuff is just common sense too and that to me is insure tech right i i think that building an underwriting box to where somebody can go online and get a fast quote, that's just going to produce more of the shitty results that we have. What we need is real you know, technology that you actually apply and you provide better service to the client in changing or modifying this policy. And it, the agent, the wholesaler, the producer, the claims guy are all in the same loop. Instead of making the insured send it to the agent, the agent sends it to the wholesaler, the wholesaler sends it to the co company, and then it, inevitably the company's got some questions, so then it goes back around the horn. It's like, guys, we're all on the same team. Let's make this easy for the client once we bound them, right, and, and we manage the claim. All of this insure tech that I see is about binding coverage easily online. Right, and so the phone, I tell people, walk around your house. 
I want to see a video of how clean your house is and what type of mitigation you've done. That's better technology, and they can send it to me immediately. You know, instead of trying to build these boxes, my dad's 92 years old. He loves Hiscox. Why does he love Hiscox? Because he can do everything online. He goes online. If it spits a quote out, he can bind it online. And to me, that is where, you know, most people are trying to go. And obviously, I don't think that's going to make happier customers. You're selling cheaper, easier, faster. And when an insured doesn't get what they want, they're going to go to a lawyer and they're going to be able to easily sue you because you didn't have any quality, you know, you just let them pass through the gates. Mm. And now they're the worst client. You have no idea if you can make them happy or not. That's why talking to each insured, you know, was really something that we got a lot of pushback on, right? Agents and producers are like, why do you want to talk to my insured? And to me, insured should embrace it because it eliminates E&O and it increases the chances that we're all going to be happy. At the at, at the point of a claim, we can actually make people happy because we're all on the same page. Right. And so what I hear is that you're trying to eliminate a lot of inefficiencies in right. this system while at the same time bringing a new awareness to you know what real risk is. Right. You know, it's not just buying a home insurance policy that someday you have a disaster you call the agent, you submit a claim. It's instead of that, it's partnering with the insured to create an overall more protected lifestyle or overall more protected home or boat or whatever the case is. And if you can come in and make smart recommendations about, oh, thanks for doing the tour with us and showing us your home, you know, if you put an automatic shutoff valve in, your home will be 50% safer from water loss. If you do a FOS check, on your property, uh, you'll be that much safer from wildfire. Right. If you trim back these brush bushes, you'll be that much safer. Right. You know, that type of thing. So again, I, I tell people, you know, pretend like you don't have insurance, especially in liability cases. Somebody slips and falls, and you know, do you, do you actually go at them? Do you offer to help them? You know, most insurance people would say, no, you don't do that. I think you do. And then on the property side, when people have a $5 million house, I say, okay, pretend like there's no insurance. How much money do you have to put away to be able to rebuild your own house? And let's say every 100 years, you're going to have an event, or every 250. Well, if it's 100 years, you have to put $50,000 away for a $5 million house. And then after five years, if your house burns down, you still don't have the money to rebuild your house. That's what insurance should do, is provide you that buffer layer. And even if you say every 250 years, the price is still $20,000 a year. Now, what I see, most people, the $5 million house, have been paying less than $7,000. So how did we get from simple math to I can insure a $5 million house for $7,000? Guess what, as long as they don't have any claims, yeah, you can take their money. But when the claims start coming in, seven grand is not enough to make a happy customer. And that's where people in Florida and California, the guardrails are what I used to pay and what I should pay, right? They like what they used to pay. They don't want to hear the truth or true math. And I do think that that's part of our job as professionals is to tell people stuff they don't want to hear, right? It's like, look, 
No insurance, 50 grand a year is what you'd be putting away. So how can insurance do it for seven? It's it's just, it's a farce. There's no way that that can be adequate. Right. No, it's very interesting and and it can be very simple math, just like you said. Um, so, you know, as we kind of wrap up this conversation, and, I, and it's been extremely interesting, there's so much to talk about when it comes to, you know, California risk, Florida risk, catastrophe losses, and how we can make a better mousetrap, because uh, that's definitely a question on people's minds, and, and we're in the middle of a hard market, which makes it even more uh, pertinent. Uh, but as we wrap up the conversation, what, uh, what's maybe one or two things you want to leave the audience with? Uh, from from your perspective as the president of Prime and or, or whatever, all of these ideas that I come up with, the quota share, and you know everybody thinks it's secret. Or I think everything I do, the whole industry should do because it's common sense. It makes sense, and when you start doing stuff that doesn't make sense, it's like the banking crisis. How did we end up in 2008 in the banking crisis because there were smart guys? who told us, oh no, this will all work out. You you can do this for less money than it appears. And that was baloney, and it's the same with insurance. You, you gotta do simple math to check what you know actuaries or regulators. I do think that there's been a big shift now where homeowners had to be issued on admitted paper, right? And I see that in, in K&K does it on motorsports. And everybody thinks admitted paper is better. I've always disagreed with that because you can't customize it. You can't amend the policy. It's been approved and submitted to the department in rate and form. So, you know, if you need customization, ENS is a much better way to make happy customers. And so I have seen that shift. Everybody is now going to ENS paper. You know, the big boys who used to write it admitted go in ENS, but their appetite is still the same. They just think there's a coverage, uh, a paper advantage now to being able to customize it. But if they didn't like it on admitted paper, I don't think they're going to like it on ENS paper because it's the wildfire score or distance to the coast. And, you know, in my book, I, I mean, I care what the wildfire score is. I care how far from the coast it is, but I want to see it. As an underwriter, if you see what you're writing, that's the most valuable thing that you can do. So we work with our insureds and our producers to actually do that. Well, and I think that's a great point, is that the the transparency. You know, like you mentioned, uh, the underwriter has a question, they go to the broker, the broker goes to the client, the client goes to the broker, and so on and so forth. And yes, there's a lot of time, and there's some value, and there's some... some, uh, value added when the broker explains things to the client because maybe that that, that right. needs to be done. But if you can bring transparency to that and efficiency to that uh, to that supply chain, right. um, even better for I everybody. Mean, get everybody on the phone. Get everybody on the same thing, and you know, stop the around the horn type deal because that slows it down. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I can quote any risk same day. This isn't rocket science, right? So I need a complete submission, and then we need a discussion with the insured and everybody on the team, and we can give a quote the same day. Um, most people say, you know, I can't get you a quote for 30 days or even longer. And to me, that's just an excuse, right? If, if you're ready to go and you've got your ducks in a row, you know, I, re- I can issue up to $15 million limit in-house without any, you know, reinsurance support. 
when I go to the fact market, sometimes it's easy to get, sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to get, sometimes it's really cheap. Right. And you know, they're they're that's what they do. The fact markets pick and choose individual risks. And so when they give me a good price, I pass that on to my client. When they say, no, we're not writing that at any price, I can still go forward for my client, but I tell them, look, the market, for whatever reason, doesn't want to support you. 100 wildfire, you're too close to the coast. But we can still work it out um, if we can strike a customized deal where you share in the risk and we eliminate the deductible, which I think aligns our interest and makes it easier for us to make happy customers, which is the goal what we need to do better because right. right now we're feeding lawsuits and growing lawyers so happy customers is the overall right uh, goal absolutely i completely agree uh well this has been an amazing conversation rick thank you so much for your time and for sharing your your knowledge and experience with us and the audience uh and so thank you to everybody who's listening to this podcast today and for taking the time out of your day to listen in Uh, If you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like on social media, or even better, give us a review. Uh, We welcome any and all feedback, so please uh, please feel free to send it in. Again, my name is Kurt Turnison, and thanks for listening to the Private Client Risk and Resilience Podcast. Have a great day, everybody.